All right, y'all. It's about that time again. Like we said last week, same black time, same black channel. Six o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. We are back in it. You are in it with us again. I am your co-host, Deontay. And I'm Shakima. And we are the Dunlaps. We're the Dunlaps. And we want to thank y'all for getting in with us tonight. Um, we, we really do honor this, these opportunities to yes. speak to the world and, and give you our thoughts and then get engaged in some, some really good and um, really good, thoughtful conversation. Um, but in our tradition, we're going to kick it off with um, the Social Justice Initiative. And then from there, we'll move into um, Today and Tech History. And then from there, we'll hop into the conversation of the day. Thank so let's you, do spouse. it, my love. I'll pass you the microphone. All right. So today, what I love about today's um, moment in Equal Justice Initiative's history is that it, it's a reminder that we have often, you know, kind of... Um, had this understanding that like the same three black people were important right so when we talk about rosa parks mlk people tend to think like those are the only black people that ever did anything and and most of us um particularly black people know that's just not true and so when your kids were in school and they were hearing about my friend martin and stuff like that that is good but that sanitizes the real struggle right and it also kills the hopes and dreams of your, your average black child when they're in their classroom, they are part of the struggle too. And so if you present it to them in such a way that makes them think that like the same three people have been the hallmark of black liberation since the 60s, then where does it place them, right? It makes it seem like A, the struggle is over and that B, there's nothing left for us to do. And so today's um, Equal Justice Industry moment equal justice initiative moment. you see that i'm tongue-tied looking at you boy that's what it is looking at my booski all right so today march 28th 1958 you know what that was my dad's birthday oh wow my dad's birthday is today and he was born in 1958 oh wow shout out to big jeffrey the biggest jeffrey to ever do that thing let's go so Alabama executes Jeremiah Reeves after police torture him into false confession. So on March 28, 1958, a 22-year-old Black man named Jeremiah Reeves was executed by the state of Alabama after police tortured him until he gave a false confession as a 16-year-old child. In July 1951, Jeremiah, who was a 16-year-old high school student at the time, and Mabel Ann Crowder, a white woman, were discovered having sex in her home. Mrs. Crowder claimed she had been raped by Jeremiah and was immediately arrested and taken into Kilby Prison for questioning. Police strapped the the frightened boy into the electric chair and told him that he would be electrocuted unless he admitted having committed all of the rapes white women had reported that summer. All of them? Wow. Under his terrifying, yeah, under this terrifying pressure, he falsely confessed to the charges and fear. Though he soon recanted and insisted he was innocent, Jeremiah was convicted and sentenced to death after a two-day trial during which all an all-white jury deliberated for less than 30 minutes. The local Black community believed, and in some cases knew, that Jeremiah Reeves and Mabel Crowder had been involved in an ongoing consensual affair, but he was only 16. She was like a child molester. It doesn't say her age, but like, dang. Uh, say he was in her home so I don't know anyway concerned about the injustice of the young man's conviction the Montgomery NAACP became involved and helped attract the attention of the national lawyer Thurgood Marshall 
These advocates were able to win reversal of Jeremiah's conviction on December 6, 1954, when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the trial judge had been wrong to prevent the jury from hearing evidence of the torture police used to get his confession. So Jeremiah's case also became known as a flashpoint for Montgomery's nascent civil rights movement. Claudette Colvin, who was arrested at 15 for refusing to give up her seat to a white woman on a Birmingham bus in 1955, in March of 1955, was inspired to take that protest action as a show of support for Jeremiah, her friend and schoolmate. Ms. Colvin later became one of four plaintiffs in Browder versus Gale, the case that led the Supreme Court to order buses desegregated in 1956. Rosa Parks exchanged letters with Jeremiah while he was jailed and helped him get his poetry published in Birmingham in the Birmingham world. She went on to repeat Ms. Colvin's protest in December 1955, facing arrest for resisting bus segregation and sparking the Montgomery bus boycott. So we heard that Rosa Parks was like, she set it off. She did it in December. But what sparked it was this young man. Right. Because Claudette Colvin, who was the first young lady to refuse to give up her seat, did her protest because, because of what was done to him. Right. They knew each other and they were friends. And OG Triple OG, Rosa Parks, knew this young man as well. She wrote him letters while he was in jail. And so at the second trial of... um jeremiah in june 1955 he was again convicted and sentenced to death this time all appeals were denied jeremiah had spent much of his time in prison writing poetry and he willed his final poem to his mother he remained on death row until 1958 when he reached what what was considered the minimum age for execution on april 6 1958 dr martin luther king spoke at an easter rally in montgomery alabama Standing on the marked spot on the Capitol steps where Jefferson Davis had been sworn in as the president of the Confederacy in 1861, Dr. King decried Jeremiah Reed's wrongful conviction and execution, which had been carried out a little over a week before. As mourners and activists gathered at the Capitol for the rally, they were confronted by a Ku Klux Klansman determined to disrupt the peaceful demonstration. Undeterred, Dr. King forcefully denounced the unequal treatment of white and black defendants and victims in the courts. Truth may be crucified and justice buried, he declared, but one day they will rise again. We must live and face death if necessary with hope. Afterward, a group of 39 local white ministers released a statement decrying the activists' exaggerated emphasis on wrongs and grievances. You know, I'm, I'm generally speechless by some of these horrible stories, you know. Um, and just the way the whole thing was weaponized against one person. Yep. A child, for all intents and purposes, a, a kid. Mm -hmm. 16. And just to save one person's face. Just to save one person's reputation. Because that's really what it's about. That's it. You know, and upholding, you know, whatever barriers that, you know, those, those color barriers that were the, of the time. And it's, you know, and it's, and, and, it's, and it's really terrifying at how a consensual situation was weaponized and totally turned on one person it's 
you know, and, and the whole notion of, you know, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's moments like these when, when I hear detractors or, or challengers out there saying there's no s- systemic mm-hmm. racism. But then when people fail to realize that it's people that control systems and if whomever's behind the system gets to dictate how the system is used. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's atrocious when you think about it, you know. I think what bothers me the most is the ability of some people to participate. You know, they get to participate in everything they want to participate in, but then they get to have other people literally incarcerated and murdered. Right. Or engaging in that with them. So what was her penalty? Nothing. What was her penalty? And now all these years later that we know that he was innocent, whatever happened to her? Right. You hear nothing she, about her. Right. Is she like the lady who had Emmett Till murdered and she, you know, ran around town laughing about it and saying, oh, I didn't think it was a big deal. And somebody actually was hurt behind that. And so I think um, it may be consensual, but it's never between equals. You know, it's interesting, you know, the notion that somebody would think something like that isn't a big deal when somebody's life is literally on the line. And that really shows how much the, you know, that young, those, these young people are valued. The, you know, those young black men were valued, you know, it, it ain't a big deal, but these people are basically being mobbed on. Yeah. They're being subject, subjected to mob justice or whatever you want to call it or, or mob response it's, you can't even call it, it it's, no, it's nowhere near justice in, 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 the, in the truest sense and, and it's oh, it's, it's, it's terrifying you know to, to think about you know how that's you know how that was weaponized and, but it's still happening right it's still happening like they have so many ways to weaponize quote unquote consensual activities right Right. it's still happening whether it's the child support system we don't know what's happening with the jonathan majors case so for those of you who are not aware jonathan majors was um charged with domestic violence and then he had all charges released and he was um freed but that's another relationship where people just assume that because white woman People started saying, oh, his character in Creed must have been real. Or, oh, we, we heard he was a psychopath. Or, oh, he looks like a slave. So we figured he was a brute. Just all this kind of stuff. And so I just, you know, you can you can watch it still playing out. And we don't know what's going to happen. That, that was probably something that got totally exacerbated typically those types of situations are like people just let tensions run high and they never actually mean to hurt each other you know but it's just the way the fans well so-called fans right turned on him both white and black right we don't even know the lady but we just assumed that because he played somebody who was a villain like oh they said oh it's just kang's universe we all in it you know that kind of stuff that was those were characters right that's not who he is and he can't escape that like and so i just want to see how it all plays out and obviously if he's an abuser then he needs to ha- have what happened what abusers you know have happened to them but we have such a history and if you can't see it of guilty until proven innocent in those types of relationships then there's a problem right so got lots of receipts <sighs> mm. 
whenever you're ready. It's an insane, insane thing to think about. But anywho, just some food for thought. I would like before we go into this day and take history, I would like to I would like to say that we are not sponsored by these these sites. We are at all please. we are providing this information for educational purposes at all, you know, um completely. You know, and we're not in any way compensated by these websites for disseminating this information. Um so with that being said, let's talk about today and tech history. It's pretty good ones. So um, March 28th, 1935, um, the first gyroscope controlled rocket launch. Robert Goodard, considered the father of modern rocketry, successfully launches the first gyroscope controlled rocket. His A-5 rocket flew to an altitude of 4,800 feet, flew horizontally for 13,000 feet, and reached a speed of 550 miles per hour. Gyroscopic technology is critical for the stabilization of modern flight systems and airplanes and spacecraft. So they're in use today. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and also, um, this one's pretty good. This one, this one should um, also um, pique some interest because uh, this one, you know, this is, you know, set the digital revolution, you know, as far as photography goes. So, um, on March 28, 1995, Kodak releases the DC-40 camera, which is, the, which is only the second digital camera for the consumer market. While introduced over a year after, after Apple's Quick Take 100 camera, it was Kodak's marketing that was largely responsible for popularizing digital photography in the mid to late 90s. I remember when Kodak was all there was. Kodak, know, right? Polaroid, like that was it. <laughs> I had that little long, like horizontal looking thing. Yep. Oh yeah, the little that you put the film. Yeah, yep. I remember having that. I remember having the Polaroid. Well, you have to shake it. Mm-hmm. I remember those. I remember. Heck, I remember. Remember, um, my cousin's first digital camera. That thing was everything to be able to take pictures and then go yeah. back and see them instantly. Uh-huh. Oh, that changed the game. It was like everybody wanted one. It was so expensive, though. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember it was super expensive, but it changed the game. And now we have them in our pockets. I carry two of them with me a day. <laughs> I got two cameras. Um, and they take some of the best pictures I you that they you can ask for. Your phones always take better pictures than mine. <laughs> you know, so that, that was an interesting tidbit for today in history. All right, my love. So Ready to get started. What is what are we talking about today? Today's topic is about changing lanes. And before mm-hmm. we jump into it, I want to start with something that I always tell myself. When, when the world is moving by me at a thousand miles per hour and things are happening that are outside of my control, I always remind myself that change is the only constant in the universe. That's it. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But it's the only thing that you can count on. Change. That's it. So, my love, how would you like to initialize this conversation? How would you like to kick so, it off? So, I was just thinking that... Um, you know, we could just talk about like, so part of what I, what I was hoping we could do is kind of talk about, um, well, I'll tell you how I thought about this idea. Okay. So, and this is kind of tangential. So y'all follow along. Okay. So I was, I was listening to, I don't even know if it's a new podcast. I probably should like look it up, but I was listening to this podcast today from, and one of the 
um, one of the hosts is Deborah Joy Winans of the Winans family. And if y'all remember Greenleaf, she was, um, I forgot what the sister's name was on Greenleaf, Faith. And they were talking about, so the show's called Sanctified. And they talk about, you know, um, almost like shifts and transitions in traditional Christianity and ways that we should be thinking about, or we could be, I'll say, I won't say should, because it's definitely not for everybody, ways that we could be thinking about our earthly existence from a spiritual perspective, but not necessarily a legalistic, biblical perspective. And so the first one that I stumbled upon, because I didn't go in order by any means, the first one that I stumbled upon was called, is there room for the ancestors at the altar? And I listened to their guest speaker give her testimony, and I listened to the two hosts give their testimonies. And what they were talking about was how they knew when it was time for them to shift the role that their ancestors played. And, you know, regardless of what you think about it, um, we're all guided by them. That's your cloud of witnesses, right? Your, your Hebrews cloud of witnesses. Um, and they also make up who you are. So I was in my grandmother's body, right? My grandmother's eggs contained my mother and my mother contained me. So we are our ancestors. There's no way to get around that, right? I was, when we were at home in Atlanta for spring break and my auntie Mary, and she said that I start, that I'm starting to look like my grandma. And if y'all know how much I love Gladys, that was, to me, that felt like an honor because I really don't remember what she looked like, except for pictures, you know, of her when I was, when I was younger, much younger, but I think that's honorable to walk this earth and bear her, you know, her semblance. And so I thought like, I wonder how many times I've missed my transition because I wasn't paying attention or maybe my ancestor spirits were trying to get me to think about things in a different way or take a left. And I was like, mm, that don't sound like God. So I'm gonna take a right because of the way that I have been indoctrinated to understand God. Right. And that is definitely from a colonized perspective. And so if you are, african-american or black or whatever you call yourself and you are a part of the diaspora then you have at, at some point in your life absolutely encountered colonized christianity and so it made me begin to think about you know who i am in relation to colonization who i am to my ancestors in terms of colonization who my ancestors and i are to our heritage in terms of colonization. And that comes from the African spirituality, but also the indigenous spirituality on my father's side. And who knows, maybe even my mother's side too. And so I began to think about how it would actually behoove me to start to be deliberate, more deliberate about those things. Trying to understand who, who I am, why I'm here, right? And maybe these things that I desire, these career choices that I've, that I've made, 
these life paths that I place myself on are really not even that much about me. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are a part of my lineage and maybe somebody in this bloodline had mm-hmm. to do it. Right. Maybe I come from a long bloodline of people who do this. I'll give you an example. When I became an English teacher, I didn't have any idea. Like, first of all, I never wanted to be a teacher. Let's say that. And I will tell you that there are so many reluctant teachers out there. Um, sometimes you understand the gravity of something and it's your calling. And that's why you run from it because you're too afraid. You're too afraid. You're too afraid to get it wrong. And so you just avoid it altogether. Mm-hmm. And so I ran from teaching like nothing else. I ran from preaching as well. I just run from stuff because I'm like, I ain't doing it. I'm not going to mess it up, get somebody else to do it. And so I remember finally yielding to this call on my life to teach. And I said, okay, I, I got a degree in English because I wanted to help liberate my people. I wanted to teach this language in a way that gives us access so that we can never be blocked from anything else. We're not going to fail no more voting tests. We're not, we're going to understand the master's tools and see if we can't dismantle some math style. So that, that for me, it was very revolutionary for me to, to focus on this language. I was intentional about why I wanted to do it, but I didn't necessarily want to teach. And so when I found out that my great-grandmother Essie on my maternal side was one of the few literate people in her communities mm. and that she would read the letters of the people in that community. That was her service to her people. Wow. Then I understood that's why you're an English teacher. You had a chance that Essie never had. You got to fulfill her dreams. And it made me think about how many other teachers in my you know, a lot of ancestors there were who never got a chance. Or maybe they did. You know, maybe they were the people teaching people how to spell by candlelight. Who knows? But it helps me to understand my place in that, uh, along that spectrum, so that I don't ever um, become jaded and neglect the gift that God has given me. Absolutely. So that was long, but there it is. Well, you know, I mean, you know, we, you know, it's like you said, it's about, you know, choosing, right? It's about changing lanes when, you know, when you need to make a different decision. And, you know, there's always those, those three W's, right? The when, no, not the three W's, I'm sorry, the, the, the three points, three key, the three key um, points of change, the when, the why, and the how, when to change, how to change, and why. And a lot of times we get caught up with one and don't get to the other ones and we get and we get stifled like we either can't define why, which if you can't define why you're not going to do you're not going to decide on when or how mm-hmm. if you wait on when, you know, we all talk about, you know, there's no such thing as the right time to do something, you know, and so it's like recognizing when, you know, it's like when you if you, you know, once you decide your why you know, you have to, you know, you have to start, you can't decide on, you know, you can't always wait till the right time. And sometimes, and sometimes that win doesn't wait for you. 
sometimes that win is now or, or or sometimes you can or sometimes if you are gifted with the benefit of time you can strategize your how and a lot of times we we get the we get the steps mixed up with the strategy you know there's the overall okay this is you know the strategy is we're going i'm going to do i'm going to focus all of my efforts here you know, because one thing I've learned about strategy recently is that strategy is about taking resources from one place, sometimes at the detriment, I don't want to use the word, de- but at the detriment of take putting those re- or taking those resources from somewhere else. Yeah. You take all of you, even if it's time and effort, you're taking the time and effort that you would have been spending to this to dedicate to this. And a lot of times we do that when we take our time from our children and our families to focus mm-hmm. on a goal or we take and divert our funds and our resources to a certain aim. That's strategy. When I'm, when I'm, I'm going to take all of, I'm going to, I'm, I gotta, I gotta sit this to the side right now because strategically it's better for me to focus here and put my resources here. It's like in boxing when you you know, when they, 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 they always teach us, one of the first things you learn is you, if you, if you break, if you break the body, the head will fall. And, you know, a strategy is, you know, focus on the body, focus on the body, you focus on the body, you'll open up the knockout shot. It's the same thing. The whole goal, the end goal is the same, but the strategy to get there is focus on the body, you know, focus all of your efforts here. You know, I'm going to study every night. That's my strategy. I'm going to study these things every night or I'm going to I'm going to train every night because you have because again, because one of the things that strategy teaches you is, is the strategy is about taking resources from one place and dedicating them somewhere else. That's good. Trying to do everything at once. It's a tactical approach. That's when you get bogged down in the day to day. And when you're bogged, when you try to do everything at one time, you can't really do everything well. And so if you want, if you're really trying to get at a certain goal or a certain um, a certain objective. You have to focus your efforts there, you know, and that's generally what strategy is and strategy. And then once you get, once you decide what your strategy is, then you move to the tactical aspects. And so, you know, and so a lot of times we get, you know, kind of digressing back to the original points. A lot of times we get stuck on one and everything and nothing else can move forward because when we get stuck on why, you know, especially in the form of why does this happen now? Why does it, you know, um, why is this happening to me? You know, that's a big one that we, I think we've all faced at one point or another. And, you know, and then once we, you know, and, and then we, even once we get past the why, once we start looking at how, you know, it's like, how am I going to do this? How can I afford this? How can I make the time for this? You know, and, and again, once you get stuck on one of those points, it stifles everything else. Because if you you figure out the why, you get stuck on the how, you're still not going to get there. If you if you figure out the why and the how, but then you're waiting on when the right time, the how and the why is for not. You know, if you and, and, and again, if you can't start with your why, then nothing really goes forward. If you That's just good. if you just change it for the, if you're just doing random things mm-hmm. with no with no actual purpose or aim, then you're you just you know you're just wasting resources. There's no strategy to it. You know, you're just kind of fumbling as you go. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's important that when when changes is it's important to, you know, in spite of all of that, you know, is it's to be able to recognize when, you know, or, or when when is time. And sometimes yeah. when we have the benefit of time, you know, is recognizing, OK, when what, what around me is telling me that I, I, may, I may either need to change something within myself 
what I'm doing, whether it's, you know, whether it's habits, uh, whether it's, you know, what you're doing in your career, what you're studying, you know, things of that nature. And so sometimes it is it's, you have to look at what's going on around you to determine, OK, it might be time to make some adjustments. It might be time to make some changes. Yeah. And sometimes and sometimes it's a, like you mentioned earlier, it's a pulling of your spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you said, you know, when, you know, if we are the totality of our ancestors, and, you know, we are meant to break certain, you know, certain, you know, certain, I, I don't want to use the, 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 the buzzword generational curses, but, right. you know, just, but I'm just going to use it for the lack of, you know, for the sake of time, but to break certain chains, break certain, um, certain things that have been going on for generations at a time. And, you know, sometimes a lot of times those come in the form of, of a spiritual tug. If you're not aware, if you're not already keenly aware of those opportunities, you know, and. And so, you know, it's important to be, you know. In tune with yourself and be paying attention. And it's because it's like you say, you know, you think about all of the opportunities where you miss that chance to take that that different that different um, that make that different choice you know, that would have, you know, that probably would have changed the whole trajectory a long time ago. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always a, it's, 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 it's hard. That's, that's like I mentioned earlier, change is hard. And one of the hardest things about it is recognizing when to, especially when you're in a comfort zone, Yeah. especially when you're in a, a cyclical, whether it's cyclical, like I said, habitual, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, dealing with, the wrong people you know constantly going back you know trying to do the same thing over and over hoping for a different result you know and not recognizing when it's time to change when it's time to you know do something different and like i said you know and making you know especially things that you're emotionally attached to is really hard yeah yeah you know so it takes a level of self-awareness and um understanding to make effective change i love that because you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like I missed the opportunity. I ran from them. Right. I like, <laughs> I ran from them. And I think part of what we have to understand is that you can be afraid. We keep looking for the opportunities that don't make us afraid. But I have learned that the stuff that scares me is the right thing because it requires me to tr- rely on God. Mm-hmm. If I can do it on my own, then it's probably not God. It's probably not anything that's going to, you know, break the back off poverty or anything like that, because I can do that on my own. The things that were life changing, universe altering in my existence have been things that terrified me. I was so afraid to mess it up. I was so afraid to not be perfect at it, because Mm -hmm. in that transition time, you're going to be a novice at some point. Yep. And when you're a perfectionist, which is a trauma response, by the way, when you're a perfectionist, then you you want to do things that you are good at. But I will tell you something that I have learned. I now run to stuff that scares me. Yep. The past couple of um, the past couple of weeks, I have been kind of feeling stuck, you know, doing the dissertation and stuff like that. Just really feeling stuck because I I was looking for permission. I was asking for permission to just be who I am, mm-hmm. who I uniquely mm-hmm. and organically and authentically am. And that is, I, I want to share that experience because I think that happens to a lot of people. Sometimes you're afraid to go 
because you're looking for permission in, in the form of the funds to do it or the time to do it or a, a squad is going to have your back while you're going through it. Like you're scared to launch out for the business because you know none of your people going to support you. But there are so many people out there who will support you. Right. And I think that sometimes we look for permission in form in the form of like for me, I was looking for what other people had done so I can kind of like know what to model it after. But when you step into some of these transitional spaces, you are the model. Mm -hmm. And you cannot wait for somebody to give you permission to just be who you have shown up on this earth to be. They're waiting on you, not the other way around. And so I just wanted to share that I was stuck because I was waiting for permission in the form of like a template or let me just see how somebody else did it because maybe that'll help me. But there are times when you're going to be the first one. There are times when you're going to have that new Rama word that tells mm -hmm. everybody else what to do. There, there are times when you be, will be the first. You got to blaze the trail. Sometimes you got to you the one with the machete chopping down the vegetation. And you're looking for path. somebody and everybody looking for you. You are the mm -hmm. one that you're looking for. And so I just wanted to share that to encourage, you know, whoever out there is going through something and you're you're just wondering, like, what is this season I'm in? And some of the transition, you know, I think transitions are challenging just regardless, but I think that we can do things that make them harder. Yeah. You know, fighting against it is one of them. Well, Expecting for people to give you permission is another one. And for what we, you know, are are trying to do in our lives, you can't tell everybody. Right. You, if you drive in the big city, you'll know on the highway. If you if you put your blink on, people will speed up to keep you from getting over. Yep. But if you are trying to transition, don't put that blinker on. Just go. Find your way for your moment. Wait, just go. Let every let let them pass, and then take your moment when mm -hmm. it comes. Pick you your know, spot. And you know, and you know, kind of. You know, saying, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying about things that can kind of hold you back. And one of the and me, you know, and, and I know one of the things that I do that I found myself doing in the past and that I work on really diligently is projecting, trying to guess, trying to see, trying to not necessarily see, but predict what obstacles are going to be there. You know, it's, it's, it's like trying to get like we're going back to the traffic analogy trying to predict how unpredictable traffic is going to be. And ambiguity is hard. And, and as humans, we're, we're, we're wired to find connection. We're wired to find purpose and meaning. And ambiguity is hard for a lot of us because it's, it's like, what, what's, what's going to happen if I do this? You know, what's going to change? What, what am I going to have to do? And, and, and you know, and even in, in my current situation, in my current circumstance where there's a lot of changes going on around me, um, you know, I, I, I work on, I work really hard to embrace it and, and sit still in the midst of change. And because I'm an observer and when I observe, if, if I observe and I can see, and if I'm paying attention, you can start to see the signs. You can start to see certain things shift and move in a certain way. If you're looking for it, if, if change is afoot and it's obvious and you feel it. You know, because sometimes you feel it, you know, some there are some days where I feel that I feel change. I'm like, OK, something's happening, something's mm -hmm. shifting. Mm -hmm. And at one point in my life, I will run from it. At one point in my life, I would totally block that out 
or I would psych, I would either block it out or I would psych myself out so bad to where I would end up in kind of a minute, a miniature anxiety or depressive state, you know, because I would, you know, because I'm so wired. I, at one point in time, I was wired to constantly think about the worst that could happen. The worst, the worst, the worst. And, and when you put yourself in that mindset, you also put yourself, you know, almost in a victim, in, in a victim mindset yeah. where, you know, you, you're looking at these things as happening to you instead of either around you or for you. That's and good. so I've learned to sit still and embrace it. And one thing I've learned about being a, one thing I've learned is that when you, when you embrace it and you stand and you face it, it's never as bad as you thought it was. What you create here is nine times out of 10, way worse than what actually happens. And so one of the things that I've learned in, in, in my years is don't try to guess, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Being afraid, being worried, being anxious has never stopped anything from happening. So let it happen and respond. Don't react to something that you don't even really know what it is, but be patient and respond. Now, I'm not saying that that's always easy. And it takes, and sometimes it's, it's, it's nail biting and I'm just, and I have to breathe through it. But again, I have, but I've learned how to stop my mind from racing. I've learned how to trust God in that whatever happens, it's either going to work out for my good or I'm going to be in position to respond appropriately to it. And I've learned that in responding to life, life responds back in kind. But That's when good. you react, when you when you just do things, it's, you tend to mess things up. It's like when we, it's like when we say we, we move in a certain way wrong and we tweak out back or something or we pull something. That's mm -hmm. because we reacted to something that and our body wasn't primed to move in that direction or was ready for it. And so we, we pulled a strain something. Hey, and, babe, and life can is you, the same thing. Can you share that? Um, I forgot what we were talking about, but it's something that you always tell me about trying to brace for pain. Like when you're fighting something, you tell your people when you're training them about, about not, not anticipating the punch or something like that. What is it that you say? So don't anticipate the punch. Because you flinch, you're going to blink. You know, if, if you're if you're waiting, and if somebody is what we call, you know, feigning. If I'm feigning you, and I'm just making the move it like I'm going to hit you. If you're if you're embracing and you're trying to brace for the punch, all I have to do is faint, let you brace for it, and as soon as you relax, I pop you. And in that moment of relaxation, like right when you let your guard down, that's when I hurt you the most. Wow. Or I catch you with your eyes completely closed and I hurt you even worse. That's a spiritual lesson. And so when you try to, and when you try to break, it's just like when they, when they talk about, you know, um, you know, when you are relaxed, it's like when, or like, for example, when I, when I broke my forearm, mm -hmm. when it was because I was surprised, I was, I was bloody exhausted and I was surprised by the technique. I didn't see it coming. And so, and, and so I, I flinched at the wrong time and I reacted. And instead of responding, if I was ready and if I had known this, if I, was, if I was in a better state and I was relaxed, I would have known to break my fall instead of trying to 
stop my fall. And I put my hands down to try to stop it and, 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 and embracing that and trying to brace it and stop the fall. Okay. I broke my entire forearm. And so, you know, and so that's why, and, that, and that's why relaxation is so important. That's why you have to relax into your change. Mm-hmm. It's, like I said, that's where, you know, because it's never going to be easy. That's the one thing you have to accept. You know, it's better to accept that change is never easy and be ready for hard change. Because if the change does, it is easy. That's just a benefit. You know, Bruce Lee says, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to live a hard life. That's you know, good. and that, and that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned when um, that's one of the biggest things that I live by. You know, I don't I don't pray for easy. I pray for the strength for the hard stuff. That way, when life is easy or another analogy you can use is it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Mm-hmm. It's better to be prepared for war than war to be upon you and you're ill prepared and you're ill prepared. That's good. You know, and so, you know, so these are some of the things that I live by. So when change is afoot, my goal is to be the eye of the storm to be the eye in the middle, everything around me is going, that's what fighting taught me is how to be calm in the midst of chaos, mm-hmm. you know, because it, like I said, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. That's good. Man. And sometimes when you just lean into it, when you just lean into the change and say, you know what, whatever happens is going to happen. Whatever happens is going to happen. My arms are way too short in the box with God. That's it, baby. So what That's I'm going to do is I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to do like Floyd Mayweather and I'm going to fill his shell and roll with the punch. And that's the best you could do. And what you find is, is that again, it's never as bad as you thought it was and whatever hits you take, you can get back up and you feel, and when you, and when you recognize it and every, and when you're on the other side of change, you always realize like you either glad you went through it. Or you learn something from it. Mm-hmm. You don't win. You don't lose. You either win or you learn. That's good. And when you learn to embrace change and understand that, hey, this is the this is the one thing I can always count on. And the, you know, I was telling one of my colleagues today is how the status quo is dangerous. It's how comfort zones are a slow death. It's where dreams go to die. You know, and and it's hard. Because we've been because we've been sold this idea of stability, right? And safety. You know, like we you be safe if you do this, you be safe if you do that. But it's like change is life is so unpredictable. Things can go one way, even if it's 50 years. And that's the hard part. Like when you talk about, oh, we haven't seen change like this in 50 years. And and how that disrupts everything and it just throws. You know, people, you know, people, you know, might have harakiri themselves, or, you know, people or, or people just respond and react in all types of really extreme ways because they're locked in a comfort zone. They've been sold this idea that life is supposed to be stable. And while st- stability is, is, is stability is is good, you have to always be ready for change. And sometimes you have to promote it. Sometimes you have to, you know push for it you know and and it's like you said mentioned earlier what you were getting to about being careful about what you share because you know a lot of times again most people don't like change 
And if in mo- and pe- especially people that are connected to you, if they see you're changing because of because of their worry about how your change is going to impact mm-hmm. them, they don't want to transition with you. They don't want to transition with you. And so what mm-hmm. they'll do, they'll sabotage you. They will um, they will try to convince you not to. Um, you know, uh, uh, they'll try to tell you everything that could potentially go wrong with this change you about to make, you know, and no matter no matter how good it is for you, they're only looking at their own benefit. And so part of part of change that is important, especially when you decide on your own. When you make a decision that I'm going to change, you know, because it's just like, you know, a group of crackheads, when one decide they're going to quit, the group the, you the know other what? crackheads, they don't, they don't say, yeah, they, they try to tell them, <laughs> no, man, don't, you know, what you going to do, you know? Because it's not with you. Because, I mean, but seriously, you know, <laughs> they, they'll, they'll stifle your growth, you know, because, you know, misery loves company. And yes, again, it does. It doesn't, you know, it's, when you do something better for yourself, a lot of people, when you decide to make a, a change that's better for you, those mm-hmm. who are afraid of change, we want you to stay the same, which is, you know, one of the things I've never liked growing up where people say, don't change, man, stay the same. And it's like, mm. I've never subscribed to that. I know that's right. I've never subscribed to that because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be 13 forever. That's it. <laughs> I don't want to And you be, only outgrow people who don't grow. You know, and so it's, a, and so, and, and then as, as, you know, it's a lot of these things we, you know, that, that, are, that are being sold out there that's supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, you know, be like you know they're supposed to signify loyalty and trust and and it's like no if you're not growing you're dying yeah a plant that's a plant that stops growing is on its way to die you know and 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 it's like you have to you know you, you have to be careful about who you share your dreams with or who you mm-hmm. share your goals and your your ideas with because again you know that person can stifle you and, and and to even expand on that even with those you do share with you have to be conscious about how much you share that's it mm-hmm. because a lot of the best laid plans have been of usurped by people who knew too much because like they say loose lips sink ships mm-hmm. and i just think about all of the revolutions our people tried to attempt and it was always somebody who was involved in the plot because they were one of them, you know, and you're like, okay, you, 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 you skin folk, but that wasn't kin folk. Or even, you know, how you say some people can't hold water. They you can't. got some people who just, you know, and, and they just get excited or they just talk and mm-hmm. everything comes out of their face. They feel like they have to they share Sometimes they want to tell somebody else because they want the other person to be like, what? Right. right. I can't believe, you know, and they want somebody to co-sign on their hate, you know? Right. So that's another reason why I hesitate to share things with people too. And, you know, before you guys um, leave us for tonight, I want to just talk to you guys about ways to just find the power within yourself to, for the transitions. So the first thing I want to say is don't resist it. Don't resist it. You've got to embrace the transition and just embrace the fact that maybe you don't know exactly where you're going or how you're going to get there. But as you walk along the path, the path reveals itself. Right. So when you get to the end of this step, you know that God is going to reveal the next one. And you just got to take one step after another until you get to your design destination. The second thing I want to say is uh, plans fail for lack of wise counsel. Seek people who know what you're going to do. 
Start to find yourself some mentors who are doing exactly what you want to do. Find people who you can surround yourself with who've already been there or have at least an ounce more experience in that situation than you do. But in order to do that, you got to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. You people who are not vulnerable can't be mentored well. And so that is, and, and, and I will say that for me, that has been a, a pain point and a growth point in my life. There have been times when I tried to be vulnerable to the wrong people and I regretted it. But then there were times when people tried to help me, but they couldn't really accurately help me because I was holding some stuff back, right? I wanted some help, but I didn't want them to know like how little I didn't know. or right. you know. So I just kind of like told them some of the stuff, but not all of the stuff. But if you can't find some wise counsel that you can vent to and get guidance from, you're going to be stuck. Are you going to make twice as many mistakes along that path? That's what mentors are for. You get the benefit of their 15, 20 years of experience, and they can give all that to you in 30 days. That's that's why you need wise counsel. Um, the fourth thing is just to do some stuff differently. You're going to have to do stuff you've never done, right? That same repetitive stuff is going to get you exactly where you've been. And so you've got to figure out what are the qualities, the traits, the attributes of people who are successful on the level that I want to be on. What time of morning do they wake up? What time do they go to bed at night? What books have they read? What podcasts do they listen to? What degree did they get? You got to know the formula. There is a formula. And then the last part is to remember how many times God has already done it. Remember, remember how faithful God is. Remember all the other times before that you transitioned and how faithful God was to bring you through. There were lots of things you didn't think you could do, like be potty trained, for example. And here you are, not peeing on yourself all day. Right. Remember all the things that you thought were too difficult and you've already done them before. And so those are my things I just wanted to share, like to help you find some power to do what you got to do. And I had some I had some thoughts. You you mentioned some things and 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 you know, which you that kind of sparked some thought with me. You know, you know, I, I know I mentioned earlier about the the why, the how, the when, right? And one of the key things that I've learned is that when it seems like all this is going on around you is to remember anything connected to you in some way involves you. And so when you see change happening around you, you have to, number one, you got to recognize the sign. You got to recognize when change is happening. Number two, you got to embrace it. And when you embrace it, that's when your why becomes clear. Because when you embrace the change, you start to see how you are included in that change. And once you once you know that it's also about it's also about you changing too, then you can identify your why. And that why has to be so compelling that it gets you in motion. It's kind of like a Jedi mind trick. You have to tell yourself, this is why I'm going to embrace this change. This is why I'm going to make myself a part of this. And once you decide on your why, the how and the when will come. You know, once you decide on your why, it will become apparent on when you need to start. Because a lot of times it's right then and there. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times once you decide your how, I mean, it's your why and your when. One thing I've learned more times than not, the how works itself out that's true whether it's money whether it's you know opportunities whether it's meeting people just deciding that you know this is why i'm going to embrace this and once you embrace it you engage with it and when you engage things open up to you and when you decide that now is the time or you know the best time i'm scheduling this 
appointment to do this next week. You define your when. The how usually works itself out because what you run into is people that are willing to help you. That's it. You find yourself in the right place at the right time. When the and student so, is ready, the teacher appears. Absolutely, and it, and some and then because once you once you rake, once you make up your mind about something, is then then the world will start becoming magical because it because because it's almost like things start to happen. It's amazing the clarity you will get when you define your why. When you define when your why is compelling enough to make you move, you will be surprised at how many things become clear because you start to look for what you want. And when you seek, you shall find. It is written in the Bible. Seek me and you shall find me. And everything that I have looked for, when I decided on my why, this is why I'm doing it. This is why this is important. This is why I have to not I want to. This is why I have to do this. And when I made, when I, when I came up with my, with my why to push me to the have to, the how, and the when, because, because once I decided that it was important enough for my why, the when became usually right then and there. That's good. And when the when, and when the when, usually when the when, when the when is figured out, the how becomes evident. And that has happened to me more times than I can count, more times than it hasn't. And usually if it hasn't, that's because either my why wasn't compelling enough. It was more about my ego. It was more about my what I want. It was more, it was more about things that were short-lived and, and things that wasn't from, you know, that, that wasn't from God anyway. You know, so if it ain't happening, check your why. That's good. If it's not happening, if you feel like you're punching on a concrete wall or you're at a door that won't open, ask yourself your why. Remind yourself why you're doing it. And, you, and this is when you got to face that person in the mirror and really, really ask yourself, why am I doing this? If I'm not getting the results I want, why am I doing this again? That was one of the things I learned in fighting. Because fighting makes you ask yourself why every single time there was not a time when i was on that walk to that ring where i was like okay at any moment you could turn back and i was like nope i know why i'm doing this i know why i'm doing this and every time that when i when when my why was louder than the voice that than the voice of doubt you got to make that why loud when that why is louder than everything else the when and the how will come because you like i said when it's loud enough when is right now or that the for at the vet that the very next chance you can. And once you well, make I, that, and once you decide on that, the how works itself out. So that's I love it. And I love you. I love you back. I love and you. And I'm too. excited for what this next how when and why is gonna be for Team Dunlap. I'm trying to tell you. Let's get it. I'm trying to tell you. So embrace change. It's the one constant in this world since the since the dawn. Since the dawn of time, it has been changing. Day to the days and the time, the winds change, your breath changes, your your hair changes, your your, your kids change. Mm-hmm. Life is change. Yes. And as you every single day is change. Nothing is ever going to be the same. And so you got to embrace what is, because once you embrace what is, God never fails you ever and that's called faith so would you like to close us out my love i was just gonna say this is so nice babe 
I love these conversations. I, I do mean, too. I love these conversations. I do too. And I just want, you know, I just want you all who can hear my voice to understand that the biblical principle of unity, you know, one can put a thousand to flight to 10,000. It's, it's not addition, it's multiplication. So like, if you know, like I know, if you are somebody who loves to transition, who loves to change, who's like always out there trying, don't, don't, don't yoke yourself up with somebody who, who hates change. That's, that's, that's worse than dying. Get you somebody who loves to change too, because you'll never be bored. You both are always growing. You both are always like setting your sights on something different and something new. And it's always something that the two of you can unite and conquer together. And so it's, baby, everything is better with you. Everything. You know, I was telling one of my team members today, we were having a one-on-one conversation and I told, I told her, um, you know, the old adage, if you want to go fast, go by yourself or with the wrong person. But if you want to go far Go together. Get somebody that want to go far too. And when two people want to go far, two heads toward two minds towards one goal, it's virtually impossible to stop. And the world will open up the the world will open up its doors and all of its wonders and abundance to you in ways that you could never imagine. There's that is my that has been the testament of my life. And I, and I, and I, and I bet the house on it. So well, I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else. And y'all have been in it together with us because we're in it together. We're the Dunlaps. Yes, I'm Shakima. And I'm Deontay. We're the Dunlaps. We are the Dunlaps. Thank you for getting in it. Thank you for getting into this with, together with us. <laughs> Thank you for being being in it with us again this week. <laughs> sorry for the tongue tie. Tom, That's sorry okay. for I know I do that tie. to you. And, you know, I, I said all of that. And then at the end, I get all. But anyway, <laughs> thank y'all for joining us. Y'all could have been anywhere, but y'all chose to be with us. So we appreciate that. We'll be back again next week. Same black time, same black channel, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can find us on Facebook. You can Facebook. find us on well, iHeartRadio, Spotify. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Let's Samsung Podcast, wherever it is that you like to stream your podcast. Being fulfilling, multiplying, baby. That's how we do it. <laughs> All right, y'all. See y'all next time. Thank y'all so much. Peace. Bye.